Hi, this is Randy of Common Sense and Ramblings in America. I'm going to be recording my 22nd podcast. And this particular podcast, I think, is um, pertinent considering what's been going on in the news about Dr. Fauci. Yes, he's in the news again. Um, Apparently, there has been quite a few emails that have come um, surfaced about his dealings um, and actions that he's been taking in the last couple years, or even further back than that, that has shown that he has done some bad things. And so I think this um, article that I wrote a while back and have since updated um, is appropriate that I record this. And um, the article that I'm going to be reading is from my blog, common-sense-in-america.com, and is entitled Fauci and HIV and now coronavirus. Sounds like deja vu. So I'm going to give a little background information as I did in my article to start off with. Anthony Stephen Fauci was born December 24, 1940, and is an American physician and immunologist who has served as a director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, or NIAID, since 1984. Since January 2020, he has been one of the lead members of the Trump administration's White House Coronavirus Task Force addressing the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States. Um, when Trump failed to win his second bid for president, um, Biden decided to keep him in that role. So. Um, it shows that Biden, um, should I say, that Fauci is a survivalist. Um, and also, it also leaves some question is, since he was the only one of the senior advisors from Trump's um, presidency that kept his job, it kind of makes you wonder where his allegiance has been. So let's go back and give some more background information on him and what he did with HIV as well. As a physician with the National Institute of Health, or NIH, Fauci has served American public health in various capacities for more than 50 years and has been an advisor to every U.S. president since Ronald Reagan. He has made contributions to HIV and AIDS research and other immunodeficiency diseases, both as a scientist and as the head of the NAID and at the NIH. From 1983 to 2002, Fauci was one of the world's most frequently cited scientists across all scientific journals. Dr. Fauci is the current director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIH, in 1984. Dr. Fauci once claimed that AIDS might be transmissible by routine close contact as within a family household. This was an article that he published, or was published, May 5, 1983, from the Journal of American Medicine, Medical Association, sorry, um, JM, or sorry, AMA. Um, it is apparent that he had little knowledge of the disease process then. Um, it is amazing that he has learned so little from this paper when he repeated the same mistake with COVID-19. He again made suppositions and claims with little scientific foundation. As in 1983, his claims and proclamations had major impact on our country and our way of life. In 1983, people were afraid to even shake hands and kiss loved ones. Now in 2020, people have to stay six feet apart and wear two masks and can't go to school or go to work or even exercise outdoors. Thank God people are coming to their senses now and are no longer listening to the charlatan. These are my ideas, what I've said. 
Um, some other things that Fauci has done over the last several years. Dr. Fauci claimed that 10% of the HIV and AIDS infected would be heterosexual, more than two and a half times the rate. 4% it was the actual number. On February the 15th, 1987, then-conservative columnist George Will said to Dr. Fauci that HIV and AIDS was principally a homosexual affliction and that it was not exploding, and Fauci quickly replied that it's not correct. The percentage of individuals who have gotten AIDS by heterosexual transmission is about 4% now. It is projected that the number will be up in 1991 to about 10%. This 10% claim was a standard talking point of his. We expect 10% of U.S. AIDS to be heterosexually transmitted by 1981, he said, citing scientific references. The ep and Group 1, the epidemiology of AIDS, HIV, AIDS, and the heterosexual community has never been more than 4%. Which brings us to today. NIAID Director Dr. Anthony Fauci is amassing quite a record these past several months. In January... 2020, Dr. Anthony Fauci told Newsmax TV that the United States did not have to worry about the coronavirus. Now, several months later, this is also in 2020, a little bit of history, he wants to shut down every state. Dr. Fauci warned of an apocalyptic pandemic and later compared the coronavirus to a bad flu. Dr. Fauci based all of his predictions on models and then told reporters later on, you can't really rely on models. And on March 20th, of 2020, Dr. Fauci corrected the president during a press conference on hydroxychloroquine, saying that you got to be careful when you say fairly effective. It was never done in a clinical trial. It was given to individuals and felt that maybe it worked. Exactly two weeks later, hydroxychloroquine has been deemed the most effective, highly rated treatment for the novel coronavirus in an international poll of more than 6,000 doctors. Will the liberal media report any of this? And they never did. The fight against HIV. So a little bit more background. Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks walked side by side in the 1980s on hassle rounds, watching young men die of a mysterious disease that had no cure. The disease was so set deadly that when Burks had a large amount of blood giving birth, or sorry, to lost a large amount of blood giving birth in 1983 at the hospital where she worked, she screamed at the physician not to give her a transfusion, concerned about tainted blood. After childbirth, she resumed researching the disease under Fauci's tutelage. That disease would soon be known as HIV-AIDS. Burks and Fauci have worked together ever since on successful efforts to manage illness and on a continuing search for a cure and a vaccine. The fight against coronavirus, now back to current. Now, 37 years after they first worked together, the longtime allies often stand at the White House with President Trump to brief the nation about the novel coronavirus, while they privately join forces to try to convince the president that more economically painful measures are needed to stem the outbreak. In doing so, and in walking a tightrope between their science-driven views and the president's reliance on gut feelings, they have drawn criticism from the left and the right. The story of how they walked that line is rooted in the way they have relied heavily on each other for decades and the lessons they learned fighting another disease that initially had no treatment. They both said in separate interviews with the Washington Post, no one will understand what it was like to be a fully trained physician at a time when you thought you were relatively knowledgeable and have patients dying and unable to stop it, and able to know what it was, said Burke, 64, the U.S. Global AIDS Coordinator. And I think 
that drew both of us to conquering infectious disease. Because once you had that devastating experience, you don't want to live that in any epidemic again. Or relive that, should I say. Fauci, at 79 at the time, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, part of the National Institute of Health, uh, recalled it similarly. We know each, we've known each other so long. We've been through so much, the good times and the bad times, the successes, the failures, he said. So we were kind of like two veterans that had been through a bunch of wars together. When they realized they were going to work together, advising the White House on how to fight the coronavirus, Fauci said, they told each other, well, here we go again, and we're back together again. The two doctors and a number of their associates said that even though HIV and AIDS is a very different disease from COVID-19, the disease the coronavirus caused, the lessons from their prior work are clear. In both cases, there was an early misunderstanding about the seriousness of the illness. The government was slow to react, and the initial response relied on behavioral changes while a long-term solution was sought. Now their task is to apply those lessons, but their effort to work alongside Trump has led to some jarring statements, and they were some initial questions whether they were entirely insane. Fauci has been both hailed and pilloried for his blunt refutation of some of Trump's declarations such as when he told Science Magazine, I can't jump in front of the microphone and push him down when the president makes an incorrect statement. Brooks, meanwhile, recently told the Christian Broadcasting Network that the president has been so attentive to the details and the data, adding that he has been attentive to the scientific literature. Given Trump's well-documented version to reviewing written briefing materials, her comment was mocked by President Bill Clinton's former press secretary, Joe Lockhart, who derided her on Twitter for having drunk the Kool-Aid and urged that she tell the truth to Trump about the depth of the crisis. Brooks defended her comments telling the Post. Her job as a public servant is to make sure Trump understands the data and she said he has asked the right questions. By the term, by the time Brooks and Fauci briefed Trump about what would happen if social distancing guidelines were lifted prematurely, they presented such a unified voice that the president dropped his desire to end restrictions in time for Easter Sunday and agreed with them that at least an additional 30 days was needed. Can Deborah Burke save us from the coronavirus? Burke, according to Fauci, is in a more difficult position because she is a political appointee who can be dismissed at any time, while he is relatively protected in his role as an administrator in the NIH system. While they both have served presidents of both parties going back to the Reagan administration, he is used to speaking bluntly and without fear of reprisal. That has been the case since the two met in 1983. Again, a little bit of backtracking here for HIV. Burks was an Army captain working at Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and Fauci worked at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, as I stated prior, where he would become director of the volunteer. She devoted herself to discovering a treatment for the disease killing so many around her. That work evolved as she served her fellowship in Fauci's laboratory, and the two then spent several decades working together to find a therapy or a cure for HIV and AIDS. We were in the middle of it, Fauci said. We were both taking care of HIV AIDS patients, me here at NIH, her across town at Walter Reed. And it was dark years for both of us. We were taking care of patients, and they were all dying. Burks recalled that she would make rounds in the clinical center at NIH, and then return to her post at Walter Reed, where hundreds of soldiers in their 20s and 30s suffered from a little understood disease. You can't imagine the devastation, Burke said, and I think that's why both of us, when we see what's happening at the front lines with the healthcare workers caring for our patients, 
that's an experience we have both been in. Nelson Michael, who worked with Fauci and Burks at the time, said the bonding experience of watching patients die was no different than the combat veterans who saw their fellow soldiers killed. Michael now is director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, said he told Falter recently that the fight against coronavirus minded him of their battle against HIV in the late 80s and early 90s, and he agreed. For those of us who grew up and fought the HIV war and are still fighting it, quite honestly, this pandemic hits us really hard, Michael said. In the early 1980s, the acquired immune deficiency syndrome, or AIDS, was on the rise and prominent among homosexual men in the bathroom house culture, Randy Schultz chronicled in, and the band played on. And Schultz wrote, the bathhouses were a horrible breeding ground for the disease. That reality had already emerged in 83, How to Have Sex in an Epidemic, by Richard Berkowitz and Michael Cullen, fully endorsed by Dr. Joseph Sonnabend, one of the first to identify AIDS. Sonnabend thought the uh, cytomegalovirus, CMV, could be a factor, but as the pamphlet explains, no new virus has been shown to play a causative role in the disease. To avoid AIDS, the pamphlet warned about unprotected anal sex along with swallowing piss, sorry, and the practice of rimming, also known as anal lingus, activity that could not be made risk-free. How to have sex in an epidemic also cited the amyl and butyl nitrate poppers, heavily used in a bathhouse culture. On those drugs, the authors say the jury is still out, but in conclusion, the party that was in the 70s is over, and the AIDS crisis may prove to have been a crystal clear reflection of just how little we knew about protecting our health. As Michael Spector explains in the New York, er, at first scientists wondered if the disease was related solely to the lifestyles of those who fell ill, but then a new virus appeared, the HIV virus. Some researchers contended takes control of the entire immune system and HIV as the sole cause of AIDS became the default view. One of the skeptics was UC Berkeley's molecular biologist Peter Duesberg, a pioneer in the study of the retroviruses. In 86, Duesberg was invited to join the National Academy of Sciences and mentioned as possible candidate for a Nobel Prize in 87. Duesberg wrote, retroviruses as carcinogens and pathogens, expectations and reality. He contended HIV was not the primary cause of age and not even a contributing factor. The molecular biologist also saw a role from lifestyle and behavioral factors such as IV drugs and the amyl and butyl nitrate inhalers that put Duesberg at odds with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who was not a virologist. Fauci earned his MD from Cornell and was appointed director of NIAID in 1984, and his watch, NIAID, became the largest founder or funder of what is now called HIV AIDS. Fauci testified to Congress as Joe John Cohen noted in Science often about the HIV AIDS budget and other issues related to the epidemic. Scientists who questioned the official cause of AIDS included Carrie Millis, winner of the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for Discovery of the Polymerase Chain Reaction, or PCR, and the foreword to Duesberg's Inventing the AIDS Virus. Millis wrote, we have now been not been able to find a good reason why most of the people believe AIDS is caused by a virus called HIV. There is simply no scientific evidence demonstrating that it is true. Virology is a science, but instead of a debate, the NIID boss opted for denunciation. 
After listening to Duesberg, Fauci said, this is murder. It really is just that simple. Not exactly a nuanced statement, as Philip Boffy noted in the New York Times. No scientist involved in AIDS had provided a detailed response to Duesberg. In 2010, the UC Berkeley professor became the target of misconduct investigation. Greg Miller of Science Insider reports, possibly initiated by an AIDS activist. Duesberg survived and his work never got the attention it deserved. Though no longer of epidemic proportions, HIV AIDS has bulked, or bulked up federal bureaucracies such as the Centers for Disease Control. Meanwhile, Anthony Fauci has held sway at NIID for 36 years. Like other denizens of the deep state, Fauci remains in power as politicians move in and out of office. If those at risk for coronavirus thought Fauci had been around too long, it would be hard to blame them. Unlike a vaccine against infection such as the coronavirus, which theoretically can be based on how a person's immune system lights back or fights back, an HIV vaccine would have to be worked differently and is considered far more difficult. Brooks in a role as a director of the HIV research program at Walter Reed pushed for a vaccine trial in Thailand, working with that country's military. The idea was criticized by some in the scientific community who doubted the test could be successful and thought funds could be better spent on managing the disease. In 2001, the Pentagon proposed limiting her budget to fight AIDS and HIV. Fauci came to the rescue. After meeting with Burks, he helped convince the Pentagon to keep its funding and then pledged his institute's money to bolster the vaccine budget. Burks, after serving as a director for the uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention Division of Global HIV and AIDS, was named in 2014 by President Obama to be the U.S. Ambassador on Global Effects efforts to combat HIV AIDS. At her swearing-in ceremony, she praised Obama for his bold leadership. She remains in her ambassadorial role during the Trump administration, making her an Obama holdover. Given their partnership, they have been together on countless panels, including a December 2017 appearance in AIDS Forum at the Washington Post, at which they expressed optimism about the vaccine trials in South Africa. It was around that time that the seriousness of the coronavirus was becoming apparent in the United States. In late February, while Burks was attending an AIDS conference in Africa, Vice President Pence named her as a White House coronavirus response coordinator. After an overnight flight from uh, Africa, Burks arrived at the White House for a meeting of the virus task force on which Fauci was already serving. A key challenge for Fauci and Burks has been to deliver realistic, scientific-based assessments of the growing crisis to the public, even as a president sometimes gives conflicting and incorrect statements and espouses his own theories. Over the past several months, Trump has used a virus, said the virus miraculously goes away by April, that we have it totally under control and that anyone who wants a test can get one. A photo of Fauci at one briefing with Trump in which he puts a hand to his lower forehead as if in disbelief has been widely published. Fauci and Burks on the National, um, sorry, Myron Cohen, who has known Fauci and Burks since 1980, said the pair are too driven by science and data to be subject to publical pressure. Their scientists and their public health officials, said Cohen, director of the Institute for Global Health and Infectious Diseases at the University of North Carolina's Department of Medicine. They are not politicians. They lay out the facts. This is once in a lifetime thing, and these are the right people. On April 7th, 2020, Fauci and Burks faced their greatest challenge so far in advising the president. Trump had said he wanted to end federal 
guidance on social distancing by April 12th, which the two doctors argued would result in a massive death toll. They traveled to the White House to persuade Trump to drop his idea. Burke's a data expert brought long charts. Fauci, who has excelled in communicating complex ideas in lamest terms, brought his blunt style and backed Burke's. Fauci and Burke stood in the Oval Office with their charts and leaned over the Resolute desk and asked Trump to examine the data. The chart showed that if Trump's idea was pursued, more than 2 million people could die. But if social distancing and stay-at-home policies were followed, nationally for 30 days, and there would be 100 to 240,000 deaths. I guess we got to do it, the president said. Speaking at a White House briefing on Tuesday, Trump of 2000, should I say, Trump essentially said he had entrusted the nation's future to what he was told by the pair of doctors, whom he referred to as Tony and Deb. When a reporter asked Trump what he believed the death toll would be if the public followed social distancing restrictions, the president said, I'd rather have them tell you the numbers. As crushing as the virus had been or has been, Fauci said he and Burks are confident this fight is winnable, in part because a vaccine against the coronavirus probably can be developed with known scientific strategies that should pay off within the next 18 months and much faster than their continuing efforts to eradicate HIV and AIDS. When you talk about how did the experience that we had back then inform what Deb and I do now, it's kind of like deja vu all over again, Fauci said. Here we are up on the stage in the press room in the White House. Turn back the clock 35 years and it's us talking about HIV. So that's what we mean when we sort of look at each other and sort of say under our breath, been here, done that. In summary, the trouble relying too heavily on expert opinion is that it's often flawed and alarmist. Worse. Bureaucrats don't pay any of the costs of getting it wrong. Something we are learning all too well, as much of the country remains under house arrest and our economy is in tatters. Dr. Anthony Fauci has become a prominent public face in the course of the coronavirus crisis. At the time, long time director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, Fauci has a key role on President Trump's coronavirus task force. How likely is it that a 79-year-old has new insights into running a federal bureaucracy during a pandemic? Indeed, we always fight the lost war for Fauci that war is HIV-AIDS. Let's look at public, uh, Fauci's public utterances. In a very long career at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Fauci allowed himself to be bullied by HIV-AIDS activists, once claiming at a conference that researchers do not have a lock on correctness. Fauci complimented the activists and worked hard to be on their side. According to the book, In Pure Science, AIDS, Activism, and Politics of Knowledge, then is now Fauci mastered manipulating the press. He quickly dismissed other scientists with ad hominem attacks, claiming that the risk to the general population HIV-AIDS was orders of magnitude larger than it was actually was. In fact, HIV-AIDS transmission in the United States outside of the intravenous drug user and a homosexual community remained extremely rare. For those gay men suffering from HIV AIDS, Fauci put up lots of red tape for them until he finally relented in 1989. Fauci failed to cure HIV AIDS despite tens of billions of dollars going to his work over the years. Something else to keep in mind as he dismisses the latest European research on the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine, an ultra-cheap drug first developed by Bayer in the 1930s. Instead, two gay men were cured of HIV, not in America and not by the NIH, but by scientists in London and Berlin, respectively, and cheaply, too. Let's hope we don't have to wait decades to start restart our economy while we wait around for him to find a cure.
So this is my article that I wrote. Um, so now I'm just going to recap a little bit what's going on. So apparently um, some emails that he has been in communication with various other officials, scientists, and even um, people from Wuhan virology um, and places are um, people that are involved in um, funding um, for different um, scientific endeavors and treatments, um, what have you. And it is shown that um, Fauci was involved in funding, not indirect, not directly, but indirectly, the gain-of-function research in the Wuhan um, province um, in the virology clinics there. And um, these are studies that were basically banned by um, Obama in his second term, um, but then were restarted again, but they actually had never stopped. And um, most uh, um, labs and um, scientific um, facilities did not want to do this kind of research because of its being so dangerous, that the risks were very high. And Wuhan was willing to do it with the right amount of money, they were willing to do it. And so even though they had a poor uh, track record, they'd already had two infections um, escape, or viruses escape, and cause some other issues um, like 10, 15 years ago. And um, so it was really a poor decision on Fauci's part to continue this research, continue this funding. And do we really need viruses that are more dangerous and more deadly and more easily transmissible? Um, I'll let Mother Nature take its course. Um, it does enough damage on its own. We don't need to help it at all. So um, we'll see what happens to Fauci. Um, I just want to give you a little information that, um, yeah, he's been there a long time, and he's been wrong many times on the way in this journey. So... Alright guys, as always, please be safe, don't give up, continue the fight, and until next week, you guys take care, have a great day.